I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Manchester City fans. It's a new face today. I am Sam Hutchison. I'm hosting today's Talking City podcast, hopefully making a super sub appearance with our ever-present. It's just like Rodri in Man City's midfield. Simon Barkowski, how are you, Simon? Yeah, very well, very well. The long, the long, long wait for, for club football to, to return. It feels like we've done a podcast every day, but we keep going. Apart from the international break, there was a couple of sporting events over the weekend in Manchester. The boxing, it was very, I'm not sure you watched it, but it was a very non-event really. How yes. much would it take for you to get in a boxing ring? That is what I, that's my question for you. I mean, it would depend who was, uh, who was you know, in the rig with me. And I would, I was gonna, some, some people I wouldn't need any money to go in. But, um, I was going to ask you a question, which of your colleagues would you most, <laughs> want, most like to fight in a boxing ring? But I won't ask that because I don't want to get you in any trouble. Yeah. But for Manchester City, you wrote a piece this morning on the ever-present that is Rodri. So, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, it was kind of um, to do with uh, Rodri and Erling Haaland, who faced each other kind of last night uh, on international duty. And yeah, Rodri obviously been the, the talk of City for the last few weeks, having missed uh, three games and sort of two very, very costly defeats while he's been out for sort of stupid red card at, against Nottingham Forest. Um, but, you know, Guardiola sort of often doesn't take these red cards well but there was no kind of like punishment of Rodri as such and he got a couple of days off in Madrid before he went to international duty and then he's gone and played for Spain and looked you know like the player that he's been for City for the last uh, year or two so Haaland and Norway kind of needed uh, Rodri to put in a pretty poor performance if they were to have any chance of beating Spain and and keeping their hopes of um, qualifying for Euro 2024 alive. Uh, But he played really well and Spain beat Norway and it looks like Haaland's going to miss out on on another major tournament. He was um, 
I think there's a slim chance Norway can still qualify through the Nations League, but it, it looks like it's going to uh, be another two years before they can go for them. And obviously, Rodri has played a lot of minutes at centre-half for Spain. His old centre-half partnership, Imeric Laporte, has, yeah. was starting again for yeah. Spain since his move to Saudi Arabia in the summer. And we'll come on to that later on in this podcast, the departures from the summer and how they're sort of getting on. Do we think Man City miss any of those? But how quiet are these international breaks covering City? Because it has been really peaceful, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. This this one in particular seems very quiet. Um, I, I don't think I've taken any time off during it, which might be a part of it. But um, yeah, usually it, it's just kind of, if you kind of think about how busy City's schedule is when when it's not international breaks, they're kind of playing every two days, uh, every three days, like two games a week. So that is the players and the staff, but it's also kind of a lot of employees at the club. Yeah. Um, and so when they get a chance, when like the players and staff aren't in for 10 days a week, they kind of use that time to, um, to, you know, rest and recuperate, rest and recuperate, and take a few days, and maybe a few days back when they've worked over that time, and then also, you know, players are away and on international duty, and they don't kind of want to be bothered with club stuff while they're while they're with the country. So yeah, there's kind of yeah, everyone sort of goes to ground a bit, and then starts to kind of re-emerge maybe Tuesday, Wednesday before before the football starts again. And like you just said, Norway have missed out on automatic qualification. There is a possibility they still qualify for the Euros. You'd expect most of City's European squad members to be at the Euros pretty much every time. Yeah. Is there a silver lining there if City, some of City's stars do miss out? You know, obviously we want to see Haaland on the biggest stage yeah. scoring all the goals for his country as well as Man City, but... Is there a silver lining for City fans? You know, he's not going to be away getting injured. He's not going to be... He'll come back f completely fresh. He'll have had a nice long summer holiday, probably in Ibiza, <laughs> yeah. like he usually is. Yeah, I mean, potentially. But I think we saw with the World Cup, um, you know, Haaland and Maras were the only two City players who didn't go away. And when Haaland came back, he wasn't kind of as sharp as he could have been. And I think, you know, having not had matches for six to eight weeks and... He kind of um, wasn't able to maybe keep in the best fitness and certainly wasn't as fit as some of the players who've been, you know, training in Qatar and playing in Qatar. So, um, yeah, it's a real tough one for Harlem because, you know, he has like the hopes of his nation on on him. To, to He desperately wants to qualify for a major tournament and, and to kind of like get his team over the line. And when everyone looks at Norway not qualifying, it's kind of like, oh, Harlem didn't perform then. Um, whereas I think he's got like a goal a game for Norway in the Yeah, he's been really qualifying. good. He's got something um, like 27 goals and 28 games yeah, for Norway. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, you know, he can only do so much, but he, he really, you know, in the same way that he wants to, you know, win the Champions League and tick off X, Y and Z in his career, one of them is, you know, getting Norway back to where he thinks they they want to be. Because they've only, I think they've qualified for like three World Cups and one Euros but not since 2000. But that, of course, was like just around the time when he was being born. Yeah, and yeah. So not that, in my lifetime. Yeah, so. yeah, but he's like, his dad knows about it. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's something he really wants to do and he, he will be um, 
really hurting that, that he's not there. And obviously he's not the only Norwegian international in the City squad. Yeah. Oscar Bob also started last night against Spain. What do we sort of think of him? Are we expecting to see a lot more of him this going forward this season, maybe even into next season? Yeah, I think we will see a lot of him uh, this season. I think he's sort of really been helped by the fact that Cole Palmer and James McAtee have moved on, McAtee on loan. Um, and, you know, when City have had a few injuries this season, like, the, the bench has been really thin and, like, sometimes their only attacking option has been Bob on the bench. So um, I think he's in a really good position where he, you know, can pick up all those minutes when, you know, City are winning games 3-0 with 20 minutes to go. Um, but it's kind of, I don't know, he's, he's not the youngest. You know, like, Rico Lewis is 18. I think Bob's got a few years on him, but he's kind of been protected at City and not sort of thrust into it. Um, but then to be able to make your national team debut within like a few months of making your senior team debut is clearly like staying with the City squad this season and breaking into the City team has clearly been very beneficial for him at a national team level as well. And um, and yeah, you would think he will go from strength to strength for, I mean, for each. There was rumours in the summer people were interested in taking him off City's hands. Yeah. And he, City kept him, basically, which means at least somebody at the club is thinking he's got a part to play this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, uh, he's been one of, the, one of, if not the best player at um, kind of under 23, under 21 level for the past two years. And, you know, as, even before last season had, had finished, I was hearing that, you know, they were going to move him up and, and keep him in the squad this season. But then with the way the summer transfer window has panned out, he's got even more um, opportunity than even I think he thought he would have. Yeah. So um, it looks very, very promising for him if he can take his opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I really like Oscar Bob because yeah. he's a... a a, one of those traditional wingers gets you off your seat and because he's got a brilliant name. <laughs> he does, but yeah. Is there anyone else that we're really excited to see going into the rest of the season from City? Is there anybody coming through the youth ranks that you think maybe we could see a lot more of? Could you like to say City squad is looking relatively thin this season? Yeah, it is thin and it, and it is also thin at um, academy level. You know, there's um, a real kind of well, you know, they made a lot of money from the academy in summer by selling off all of their best assets, really. Um, so when, I think when uh, Guardiola first talks about the Newcastle game in the Carabao Cup, he sort of said, oh, we're going to have to use the kids. And then he then later sort of had a few conversations and was like, oh, actually, I don't think we've got any kids to use as such because none of them are quite ready. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few um, youngsters who've been training with the first team sort of a fair bit you know um max elaine at the back and tom galvez and players like that but i think for and uh, micah hamilton was on the bench at, at newcastle so he could um come in but i think for now um pep will go back to kind of the players that he he has been using but it will be interesting to see you know, how much Rico Lewis plays, because obviously him starting at Arsenal was huge um, and he's probably not going to get into the team ahead of Rodri, but the fact that he was preferred to both Phillips and Nunes says that, you know, he could be a real option to get a lot of minutes this season. Yeah, and I mean, Rico Lewis is one of those versatile 
fantastically versatile, sort of half a fullback, half a defensive midfielder sort of players. I think that there's going to be a lot of minutes on offer at a lot of roles for a player like Rico Lewis, who clearly is top quality and clearly is in Pep's thinking for starting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the um, the factors from the first few months of the season is Kyle Walker has played a hell of a lot. And he's been great, but he probably can't keep it up for the whole season. And when he can't, you know, John Stones has got to come back into the team at some point. But you would expect that when Walker is rested or, you know, isn't uh, picked for certain matches, then, then Lewis, as kind of the only other right back in the the squad will have a real chance of getting those minutes as well as any others he, he picks up in midfield. Yeah, and because of the injuries to John Stones, he's not been yeah. available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right and, like we, and we talk about John Stones coming back, but like he has been injured all season. And I think it's been two different injuries. Um, so you can't, we can't talk about John Stones coming back as if like, oh, he'll come straight back into the team and play every game. Especially with the form that's been on show from yeah. like Lewis. And yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I do really, I think he's really got a big future in the game. The England squad, he's not made it to the senior team yet. Yeah. England squad, did you catch the England versus Australia game? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. 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 I'm not sure it was a box office. No, you would like to think that there's a, a big improvement in uh, for the next game against Italy. But yeah, I mean, Rico Lewis again, like if he does, in the same way that like Oscar Bob has broken in at Norway and sort of they've noticed that at his national team and picked up. I, you do wonder whether Southgate is kind of like fiercely loyal to his players, but at some point you wonder whether, um, well, you would like to think that by next May, both kind of Jordan Henderson's place in the squad and maybe Calvin Phillips' place in the squad if he's not, if, if Rico Lewis is, regularly starting out, over starting Calvin over Phillips, Phillips at City why yeah. would he not for England yeah. yeah like you know there is Southgate has obviously got a lot of trust in these players and they've got a lot of credit in the bank for their performances under him but especially if Southgate's kind of if he's making this his last tournament um, does he not want to kind of give himself his best chance of winning the tournament with the best players for that tournament as well as the fact that you know Lewis is surely going to play a big part in England's future going forward so yeah I mean it might not come to anything but I wouldn't be surprised if Lewis kind of makes a squad before the end of the season and gives Southgate something to to think about um certainly with I mean the the reaction to Henderson and um things like that you think is that a, a sustainable situation um I suppose we've seen a few a few boos for Harry Maguire and then he's kind of continued and looks like he he may well continue, but again, if he's not, he's said, hasn't he? If he's not playing at United, then he won't get um, picked. So it's yeah, I, I, I again, a big opportunity for for Lewis, I think. And that brings part one to an end. After the break, we will discuss some of the summer signings, how City are getting on following those additions in the summer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So welcome back to part two, Manchester City fans. In this part, we're going to review a couple of summer signings and how the team has evolved from last season now that we're in this international break. We've had a little bit of the season to review. Are City a better side than last season? That's my starting question That's for you. That's starting question. No is the very simple answer. Um, it's kind of felt like... Well... Uh, <sighs> One thing and another. So the first sort of six games, when they won six games, you kind of thought, they've not really played well enough to win six games, but they've won six games. Um, and th- now they've lost two league games in a row. And it and it's kind of like, oh, is he stumbling? Are they falling? And, you know, I don't really think they've, they're any worse than they were for the first six games. And that their first eight games is still enough to be two points off the top of the league. Um, but... You can you can see that they've been struggling to kind of incorporate everything. I mean, the, first off, they're not a better team because they've been missing Stones, De Bruyne, um, and a few a few others. And obviously, they lost Gundogan, who they didn't want to lose, and they've had to replace him. Lost Mares, who they weren't expecting to lose. Now Mares wasn't in the team um, to you know towards the end of the last season, but he's still kind of a better option to have than some of the options they've had. Uh, on the bench so it's been a City team kind of searching for this new identity um, that they're trying to bring through and also compensate for injuries so they've not been near the best and they've also yeah we kind of expect them to be there all the time but they you know I think as you would expect of any kind of footballer and everyone else they're probably going to be better when there's more at stake you know, if they lost to Arsenal in May, it would have been really bad. But losing to Arsenal in October, you're like, well, there's still 30 games to go. They can probably make up two points over the course of that season, which doesn't excuse them losing. But you do sort of think, yeah, they'll probably... That City know it's a, long, it's a long season, but they also know that they will need to sort of find more fluency and, and improve, basically. Yeah, and obviously they're not in full flow yet. Erling Haaland yeah. is missing more chances than he missed last season. I know on the last or last week's yeah. episode of this podcast, you discussed you know Erling Haaland's not quite getting into full flow. He still scored so many goals and he's still a really deadly striker when the ball falls to him, but he's not quite at the same level I think he ended at last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's certainly been, you know, a part of why City haven't looked as sort of fluid as they as they could be. And also with losing Gundogan and De Bruyne and people like that, they've not really been finding Haaland as as much as or as well as they were they were able to. You know, there's there are patterns emerging between, you know, Foden Alvarez and Haaland and um others, but they're still not quite at that. Ha- again, Haaland can't be at his peak for twelve months a year. Doesn't feel like he's at his peak. Uh, now or has been for the last you know month or six weeks so it's kind of about what he can how he can improve you know he looks pretty sharp um, for Norway scoring two goals so maybe he steps it up after 
after the international break. City will expect more from him. He will expect sort of more from himself. So it, it's about turning that on on the pitch, basically. And you touched on departures there, you know. City are really missing Gundogan. You know, they didn't want him to leave in the summer. How have the summer signings got on so far? How would you sort of rate them as a whole? Because City lost a lot of players, a lot of first-team players who played a lot of minutes last season. Yeah. You know, Laporte, Mares, Gundogan. A couple of seasons ago, Cancelo was probably the best left-back in the world, and now he's again left City again, well, again yeah. for this season. Yeah. How have the summer signings got on to fill those sort of gaps that were left and improve in the areas that were already identified? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting with bringing Kovacic and Nunez in because that is sort of to help City move towards a slightly different style of play, sort of more kind of carrying the ball through midfield. And then you've got Doku, who is, you know, an out-and-out winger like Leroy Sane that we've not really seen for a, for a few years. So, so they do offer something different. Um, I think probably completely understandably, they've looked better when kind of one of them or two of them have been dropped into an existing team than they have when kind of injuries or suspensions have really um, forced them to all play together kind of thing. You know, like um, Kovacic looked a lot better when he was alongside Rodri. And then when Rodri was gone, Kovacic was suddenly not wonderful. And, um, you know, it felt like that Wolves game away from home was probably the worst game City have had this this season and both Kovacic and Nunes struggled in uh, in midfield to really have have an influence. Um, Doku has done very well, um, kind of exceeded expectations and really kind of got City back into the game at West Ham. Um, September, I think that was, and, you know, really drove them on and Pep was like, I, I, I was not expecting that. Um, he came on at Leipzig as a substitute and did very well. So he is, he's ticking along. I think everyone's excited to see what kind of, what can come from Doku with learning in this Guardiola system because, you know, there's no doubt he's a very exciting player. He's got huge potential, um, but he's also not quite taken that leap that maybe people thought he was going to take a few years ago. And he sort of, there's, there are question marks over kind of decisions in the final third. So whether he can stay clear of injuries and him sharpen that up, and that will be um, a real asset for for City to have. Um, and then Gradiol, as the most expensive signing, has probably been the the least standout. Like he slotted in very well. He looks very good. He's not really played as a centre back. Um, he spent a lot of time at left back, which doesn't look like his best position. So it'd be interesting to see how long he stays out there for and what happens with him. Um, but I suppose not standing out is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, can't you can't? I don't think you can complain about Vardyol's no. impact. I just I think he's gone very under the radar. Yeah, because yeah, of has. some of the players around him, really. Yeah. Yeah, and and he's probably he's played with a lot of different in in a lot of different defenses because there have been um, a lot of injuries across the back line. He's played with kind of Grealish and Doc, who are both very different players to have in front of you. 
Um, so I think he is still still getting used to his teammates, basically. And depending on what source you read, he is the most expensive defender in the world. On Euros, <laughs> he's the most expensive defender in the world. On Pounds, he's not quite yes. because of the changing exchange rates. And just behind Harry Maguire, let's hope his career doesn't have a similar trajectory <laughs> to that. But have they lived up to the expectations? Would you say Gavardiol, as this most expensive defender in the world, has lived up to expectations? You know, I was looking at Nunes was 60 million euros, 65, I think, million euros. You're looking at Doku for 60 million euros. Kovacic for just less than 30. Have they lived up to the expectations of what was already there? I know it's been hard with the injuries that City have faced early in the season. It's hard and it's hard because certainly this summer seemed like a very inflated market. You know, City have spent over 200 million and it doesn't feel like, you know, they've not blown everyone else out of the water. Um, You know, Chelsea have spent huge amounts, United have spent huge amounts and both of those clubs you would say without really doing much, City signings have had far more of a positive impact than either, you know, Chelsea or United by virtue of like not looking horribly out of out of water. Um I think generally it is far too early to tell and you know like Rodri spent a year after moving for like 65 million and everyone thought why have they signed him and now we all sort of say oh, yeah he's probably the best number six in the world so it I think Kovacic and Nunes and maybe even Guardiola take a lot of time um Doku is probably the easiest to be like yeah he'll probably be worth Worth the it's money. like a fish to water, isn't he? Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. A winger on the wing is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he sort of doesn't. If he can win him five matches a season or up to ten matches a season, then you know he's he'll prove a real bargain. If he can have an impact like he did against Leipzig, yeah. Every yeah, time he comes yeah, off the bench, yeah. he looks like it's going to be worth it. And it's sort of you know there's a big debate as to sort of who should start and obviously kind of Doku came off the bench against Leipzig and did really well. And so you think, oh, right, well, maybe he can, um, he should be starting then. But then you think, well, yeah, potentially. But then also kind of, you know, maybe he's perfect for those last 20 minutes against like tired legs and minds and maybe he becomes kind of the secret weapon off the bench to... Yeah, a tired right back in the Premier League. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, So maybe that might be something new for, for City to use this season. And... Is there anyone you think City missed out on with the benefit of hindsight, obviously, from summer who you think would have slotted in perfectly, apart from the obvious, you know, you Jude Bellingham's of the world well, who yes. would, have, yeah. would have pretty much hit the ground running anywhere by the looks of things? Yeah, yeah, obviously Bellingham would have been, uh, would have been the big one. It, it was a really interesting window for City. Mm. Difference has been a word used um, around City to to describe it, which isn't kind of, you know, isn't necessarily positive, and um, but does kind of reflect, you know, they went for Declan Rice, didn't get him, but did they go f- kind of fully wholeheartedly? You know, you, you look at Rice and you think, yeah, he would have been, he could have been a great signing, um, but then you think if you've got Rodri, where does Rice play and how often does Rice play and um, yeah, it's it's hard to think of um, anyone who could 
it, yeah, it's hard to think of anyone who could like improve the treble winners. Yeah, um, well, yeah. The, the, there's kind of that element, but I do think that the signings that they have made kind of could. I don't think we'd have necessarily looked at, you know, Nunes last season and thought, oh, he's definitely a City player. But you, you, you can see why they've signed every player that they have. Yeah. I think, which must be a good thing for them. Yeah, I mean, Nunes last season was pretty much Wolves' best player. Yeah. Outside of the ones who had already left this summer, gone to Saudi Arabia, etc. Yeah. Nunes was excellent, pretty much off the left wing most of the time for Wolves, which was a surprise when I was looking at it in the summer when he was linked yeah, first. Yeah. It was pretty much a left winger, sort of in a 4-4-2 for Wolves a lot of the time last season and then early this season as well. He did a very similar role, sort of cutting in off that left, yeah. which maybe... Pep's got something up his sleeve, you know. Yeah, we can never yeah. predict what he's got up his sleeve, but maybe he has got something up his sleeve for yeah. a nice tactical plan to try with. Yeah, yeah, this. yeah. I think so, and it, it's um, it, it's just gonna be it is gonna be interesting to see how how the new signings change the team as well as how they adapt, because you know there isn't Nunes isn't gonna be the new Gundogan or De Bruyne, so he has to sort of find his own role within the team and kind of make it his own so how how quickly the new signings can do that will probably determine how much success City have this season and I've got it on here if you could have one dream signing for City who would it be I'm going to extend this to ever right ever. now if you think City squad right now and people in the comments if you're listening to this or watching this on the YouTube let us know as well if you could have one City player to sign for City right now this right like as we record this yeah who would that be um, drop that on you sorry a loaded question to drop fine. on you I think from uh, from players I've watched and sort of right now I would be really boring and say Mbappe because mm. I think you know having having seen him he is a phenomenal player and the sight of him in the Premier League, alongside Haaland, I think would be um, really something to something to see. I, th I think the biggest kind of like you know over the last few years, the huge kind of sliding doors moments for City have been, you know, when they I wouldn't say came close, but came closer than most have to signing Messi, and then when they were in the hunt for Cristiano Ronaldo a few years ago, you know, because that. It felt at the time, it was certainly kind of spun by United as a huge coup to get Ronaldo over City and then backfired pretty spectacularly for them. But but it, but it also, you know, City were desperate for number nine and Ronaldo was kind of there and it seemed like even on the short term it would have made sense, but it didn't happen and ultimately it looks better for City than it didn't, but it, it still would have been fascinating to see Ronaldo at City and all the sort of subplots that came with that. Yeah. And just to end this part, is there anywhere City are looking, we're gonna, we might end up looking stupid by saying this, so <laughs> I don't mind if you don't want to put a name out there or whatever. Is there anywhere City are looking weak and look like they need to strengthen in January already? Because we are preempting this quite early. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, I, I don't know if they just need 
maybe kind of another option in attack on the wing. Yeah. Like they brought Doku in, which is, um, you know, who should be very good. They've got Grealish, who was integral to the team last season. They don't really have kind of a right winger as such. They've got Bob, who is young and inexperienced. They've got Bernardo, who can play there. They've got Foden, can play there. Grealish can play there a bit. Um, Alvarez played there a little bit for River Plate. Back yeah, in the day. I, I, Alvarez has, but I've been surprised at how kind of how rarely he's played there since he's come to City. I think when he when he came, knowing that Harlem was the number nine, you sort of thought, well, he might he can play as a, a wide forward. Fine, stick him there, and he and he hasn't really, um, which makes me think Guardiola doesn't really want him want him there. So you know, it could be the case that Bernardo Silva or um, Phil Foden kind of makes that spot their own or, or they do what they've been doing where sort of the right player comes in and Walker just takes that side but it it does feel a bit like it kind of it is relying on um, a few square pegs for round holes yeah yeah I mean that's what I'd say attacking depth is where yeah, City look most lacking if you can say a treble yeah. winning side is lacking anywhere. Yeah, I but, would say, but they do look yeah. covered in defence, don't yeah. they? And and they've bought these. If they shouldn't be short in midfield because they've yeah. bought midfielders, that's the thing. Yeah, exactly. And you know what happens if Haaland Haaland's had a fantastic injury record at City. Yeah. But at Dortmund, his injury record was a bit shaky here and there. You yeah. know, Alvarez didn't play last season as a first team first name on the team sheet sort of player. What happens if Haaland gets injured? Does Alvarez move up and fill that gap immediately? Yeah. Yeah. Or do City need a bit more attacking depth in there as well? Yeah, and he, and even if Alvarez does move up, then like who covers for him and who takes his place behind? Like you you don't want to spend a billion on someone to play in case Haaland gets injured. But you know, City like they've you know they found a way last year when they needed more defensive depth. You know, they signed a Kanji who nobody. He was, he was not on anyone else's radar, essentially, and then he was a very kind of city signing for a low price and did amazingly well. If they could find someone in kind of that probably 20 to 30 million bracket in January who they could sort of help strengthen them for the second half of the season, then that might be uh, what, they're, what they're short of at the minute. Yeah, and... We've talked about incomings, all that part. Departures next. We'll see you after the break. So, City fans, welcome back. This is part three of the Talking City podcast. We're going to talk about every summer departure from City and how they're getting on so far this season. We're going to do it on a player-by-player basis to make it a little bit easier for ourselves to remember where we've gone. The most expensive departure at City during the summer was Cole Palmer to Chelsea. Have we been impressed by Palmer since signing of Chelsea? He got his first Premier League goal just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he's not played every game, but since he's come into the team, he's, he's looked very promising and it was really interesting to see him on penalties for Chelsea because you know that is something you associate with kind of a, a more experienced player um, you know like a Raheem Sterling or Enzo's taking a few penalties and you wonder kind of when Nkunku comes back whether he will be, be on them but like great from 
Palmer's point of view to step up and say, yeah, no, I'll happily take take penalties. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it, it's strange with Palmer because he's cut, we've spoken about Saby being maybe a wide forward light. Mm. You know, Palmer would have been perfect on the right wing um, if he had wanted the challenge, but the way the summer went, um, he his mind was kind of made up to to move on. Um, so, and again, it is kind of City selling to a rival as they did last season with uh, Jesus and Zinchenko and they kind of helped Arsenal. So maybe Palmer can help help Chelsea as kind of Sterling is, is helping Chelsea as well. So it's, um, I think a lot of people at City would like to see Palmer do, do well uh, because of, you know, his, his upbringing through the City Academy and, and he is... He started off well and he's put himself kind of firmly on Pochettino's radar and Pochettino now knows he can he can count on him. So Chelsea have a lot of attackers and he can't be kind of Palmer can't be guaranteed of a of a star, but if he can go close to kind of making a place in the team his own, then I think that has to count as as a real success and kind of vindication of the move for him and from the most expensive to what I would argue the biggest loss for City in the summer Ilkay Gundogan have you seen any of Barcelona so far this season outside of the Champions League and what do you think about this sort of move because I think like I say Ilkay Gundogan probably was the biggest loss for City in the summer they had to replace him pretty late on with Mateus Nunez yeah I think um, it, it's kind of, well we've kind of reported it kind of um, City could have done more earlier to to keep Gundogan and I think he would have stayed um, but because they didn't and because Barcelona was so um, welcoming to him uh, he kind of took up that that challenge instead and, it, and he looks to be giving Barcelona kind of an important rhythm and doing what what he does is a hugely intelligent footballer and um, it's no real surprise to see him kind of just settling instantly and, and and make a difference in the in the team and in the in the league so it is a real it is a real coup for Barcelona to to get it free as well so. yeah yeah in a way that it maybe isn't such a coup to get Cancelo yeah. but we'll see well, that's who I'm going to come on to now. Yeah. Jao Cancelo, he's been out of the City side for a while. He is technically still a City player. He's only on loan at Barcelona this season. Yeah. Do you think there's ever going to be a way back into the City side or do you think this is him with a view to a permanent move, sort of moving his yeah, moving no. out his house early? Let's yeah, say. yeah. I don't think there is a, a future for him at City. I think those um, bridges... Oh well and truly burned. It's quite funny to sort of, you know, see a few clips of him at Barcelona from, you know, assists or whatever, and say, oh, I can't believe City let him go. And you think that's, you know, there is a story, and uh, it's not quite sort of, um, you know, what what he's doing in those highlights isn't isn't really why he's not in the in the City team and the City squad still. So, um, I, I, you know, they they let him go in January to buy Munich and it looked like they could be leaving themselves short. They said, oh, we've, Rico Lewis can cover it. And it, it it felt like, you know, a gamble. And they went on and 
won the treble and, and beat Bayern Munich, who had Cancelo playing for them. And, uh, yeah, Bayern nearly didn't win anything last season. But, you know, it was clear from then that, yeah, City can move on and do not miss or need Cancelo back in the back in the squad. So I, he went on tour with them in the summer, but it kind of n- nobody was ever expecting him to to stay. So I don't think um, there will be. Yeah, I I would imagine he will leave next summer, providing Barcelona can can come up with a fee. You'll know more about this than me. Is he available on a free next summer? Will Will it have to be a fee? Uh, no, when does his contract run? I think his contract's twenty twenty seven. Right. So it will have to be. So it'll have to be a fee for yeah. someone. Um, however, I don't think the fee would be as high as they would want for, say, like Bernardo Silva over the last two years and things like that. And obviously, for high, talking of high fees, we saw a lot of high fees to the Saudi Pro League over the summer. Yeah. Mares and Laporte will band them together because I don't think <laughs> like you, me. Yeah. I haven't watched too much Saudi Pro League. I don't know if you've watched. No, I've not. Either. But I was, um, I was really interested to see Laporte playing for Spain against yeah. Norway and you know, shutting Haaland down because yeah, I, I think you know, in this country, we well, we we kind of don't think that the Saudi Pro League is anywhere near the standard of the Premier League. And sort of, you see John Henderson in the England team, you think, well, he's in a. A worse league now he can't be as good um as he once was at, at the same standards yeah. and then you see like Laporte shutting Haaland down or there's like a clip on Twitter of him pinging sort of passes in the air with um with Gavi and you think yeah he's still a still a still real an player. player yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah Laporte was you know one of the surprises of the window because it was just sort of you couldn't believe that no other club was in for him really because he, he he is such a great defender still um, so it was kind of surprised that no one else really came in at sort of that 25 million mark to um, to take him uh, but yeah still looks a still looks a real player and Mares um, as well it is a player that you know like we said City do do miss and we're not expecting him to to leave this summer but he wanted a new challenge. Guardiola said after um, the FA Cup semi-final when he scored three that you know he'd, he'd lost the fight to convince him he was he was an important player. So I think he just he wanted something something new. Want something new rather than being at City and playing what was a bit part yeah, last season, really. Yeah, and uh, you know it is it's demanding to be at City and it's demanding to be under Guardiola. And I think when um, Cancelo left for Bayern. Um, I think it was his wife who posted on Instagram and said, like, you know, now you don't need to prove yourself anymore. And that is an attitude, but it's an attitude that won't last at City because you need to prove yourself every day. You wouldn't have thought it would last at most top clubs, would you? No, well, I don't know. I don't know. But um, it's it's one of those... Well, it didn't last at Bayern, I suppose. Well, no, (laughs) no, no. But... um, you know, it, it's uh, there. There are examples in the past where other players have had their noses put out of joint by Guardiola, kind of picking inexperienced players ahead of them, and uh, and usually those inexperienced players go on to be better. And talking of inexperience, then Premier League low knees 
City have three players currently on loan to other Premier League clubs yeah. in McAtee, Doyle and Cabore at Luton. Do we think any of these have a City future? Because there was a lot of hype around especially McAtee when he was coming through. Yeah, um, McAtee is one that they are still thinking of for next season. He's still kind of in their plans to, to come into the team. They would have happily kept him this summer they knocked back a lot of um they knocked back all interest in him basically kind of for most of the summer and then it kind the last few weeks when they brought in Nunes it I think the player wants to play and especially after you know he'd played such an important role in bringing Sheffield United up um there were yeah a lot of teams who wanted to take him on loan but he kind of thought that Sheffield United was the best chance for for him to sort of settle instantly because he did take some time to settle last season where he's going back into an environment that he knows. Um, yeah, it's going to be a real struggle for him in a team that will struggle this season rather than a team that was playing well. Because, I mean, he's kind of seen as like a flair player by um, Sheffield United fans, but how many... Being a flair player in the Championship is different from being a flair player in the in the Premier League where you've less kind of luxury afforded to you. So that will be the big step for him. But, you know, from a City point of view, they said last season, um, you know, make make the difference and go and be that important player and get them promotion. And, and we're very impressed by, first, how he responded to kind of being left out of the team and setbacks, but then how he, you know, played that that role um, so yeah he's still very much in the plans You, I, I kind of think that Tommy Doyle will be off to Wolves at the end of the end of the season they've got an option to to buy him uh, and he's started okay he's uh, he's not you know been involved uh, hugely but he has um, looked alright when he's when he's come on I saw him when he played against Liverpool and he, he seemed to do Seems to do okay, but you know the fact that he wasn't in Pep's plans uh, over the summer kind of told you he's he's not not really um, there for the the long term thinking at City and and Kabore as well um, a bit like McAtee is in a a struggle to do well at um, at Luton but has has had a pretty solid solid start. They've not you know they've the They've not looked anywhere near as bad as I thought they would, Luton. Is that yeah, what they, I, I guess that's what you I, I mean don't to think, say. I don't think they've been embarrassed by anyone. They've they've lost games, um, most of the games, but they've not lost them four 0 and five 0 and things like that. Um, you know, and they lose one 0 to Spurs. It was yeah, like I've, I've very, been pleasantly surprised by yeah, how yeah. resilient Luton look at the very least. Yeah, and Cabore's you know chipped in with a few attacking returns, so. He's um, it's an interesting one. City have got a few kind of fullbacks um, out on loan. Jan Kuto is a another uh, Girona. one. Yeah, he's just. I think he's just made the Brazil squad, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, those are sort of a few to to keep an eye on. I think. Yeah, I mean, just looking at Luton here. Just stay on Luton for a little yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. They're um, they've pretty much lost all their games that they have lost by one goal. Yeah, which is 
pretty positive for a side that everybody expected to not really put up too much of a fight in the Premier League. I think that's fair. Yeah, and it kind of suggests that that could easily change. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And let's hope from a City point of view, <laughs> Kabor is at the centre of that. Yeah. From a sort of end this podcast off sort of point, have City missed any of their summer departures so far? Like, explicitly missed them? Have you? Is there been any moments where you'd thought, you know, Gundogan would have done really well there, Mares could have really helped win this game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have. And I think, you know, a big part of City has been the, the kind of dressing room leaders and the success has been driven by by those players and the players that can kind of turn up and win big games and have match-winning moments. And, you know, Mares and Gundogan were two that in their peak and Gundogan's peak was kind of in his final months for, for the club, could just kind of decide games on their own. Uh, and also, yeah, that experience of bringing... Um, just sort of bringing on, on the team and helping them through both games and the week, it, it has felt like City have kind of lost a bit of of leadership um as well as players simply in the in the eleven. Um and so it is on, you know, the pl- the leaders that were already there to step up again, but also, you know, Foden needs to take on more responsibility this season. Alvarez, Haaland even. Um and Bernardo Silva is a sort of part of the leadership group now, so he should be taking on a bit more. But yeah, I think um, City don't tend to miss players that leave, but they also don't have many players. who They, they don't lose many players who they don't want to lose, whereas I think Gundogan certainly fell into that category and Mara's a bit as well. So um, it will be, yeah, we, we will wait and see how they kind of, how well they can cover for those losses. And that brings the podcast to an end. There is an anecdote that I have been saving about City for a couple of weeks until I make my return to this City channel. I actually bumped into Cheeky Bergerenstein outside a nightclub in Manchester a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. Which is uh, one of the stranger meetings I've had with... What did you have to say to him? Well, I didn't think it was him. I just went, hello, (laughs) are you you Cheeky? And he went... Hello. Yeah. <laughs> shook his hand and walked off, and I was like, all right, okay. Nice. A strange experience, but it's weird how you bump into people that you just sort of recognise without recognising them anyway. Thank you for watching this episode of the Talking City podcast. Thank you for listening if you did listen. Make sure to check us out on our YouTube channel and across all of our social medias. Thank you, Simon, for your input today. It's fine. Anytime. And thank you for listening. Speak to you later. Bye.